Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, does, uh, does bulletin board material matter to you guys at all? Uh, it depends what it is. What, what do you got? Skip Bayless, after your game, tweeted out the following. No, I don't care about anything he says. You can stop now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's... I love it. No. Yeah. no oxygen. No oxygen. Yeah, no. It, 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 anything those guys say on daytime TV, you can you can skip over that. We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez on six seventy the score. Hey, I've been on daytime TV talking sports. I resent that. It's Gabe Ramirez, six seventy the score, doing the radio thing right now. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I got to be honest, as the weeks go on and, and my love for the Bears, you know, dwindles because I have to put it on pause until, you know, something significant happens other than a Shane Waldron hiring. I, I, I find myself doing deeper dives into other teams and listening to a lot of tape on, uh, on Jared Goff and how he interacts with the media and just, just his composure. I really like it. I like it a lot. And something like that just makes me love it even more. That's from 97 won the ticket, uh, talking about talking about some guys that he doesn't necessarily like. Well, we're going to get into a conversation about Jared Goff, about the remaining teams in the NFL playoffs, and then take a look at the Chicago Bears on a macro level. And maybe we can get our uh, Marty McFly glasses on and take a look at what the future could hold for that for the team. And to do that. We get to talk with my next guest uh, on the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. She's a senior writer uh, at The Athletic covering the NFL. Looking forward to talk to her. First time having her on the show, Kaylin Kaler. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course. Hold on. No problem. Hey, thanks for having me. Sorry about that. No problem. You got kids? I got kids, so I know. Yeah, no, I'm at a... Um... I teach Irish dance on the side oh. and I'm, I'm actually at like a Irish dance event that I just stepped out, I but a parent so just saw me and I was like, Oh no, I'm on the radio. <laughs> it's I'm ta- fine. I'm talking about the NFL right now. Okay. Before <laughs> we begin side note, I know how to do the Irish jig. Odd. Oh my God. Really? And, and well, and well, I went to elementary That's school impressive. that that was part we had, we just did a couple of performances Gabe, like I have year to see in a year out. I'll, I'll do it during the commercial break. I'm actually really good at it. I have no problem. And I can get high. I can get up in the air. So to hear that you're there just gives me a lot more love for you. So this conversation is going to yeah. be, be great. It's my hobby. Uh, my side hobby. Let's start with uh, let's start with, with golf. And I know you did yeah. an amazing piece on him. Just talk, talk to me about, like, the reincarnation of a golf. And, and, but more importantly, where you think the energy 
to to really want to get to the top of the NFL comes from for a guy like that? Yeah, I mean, the story I did on him was um, came out before their playoff game against the Rams, which obviously was talked about a lot because of, you know, Goff's prior experience playing there and the way that they really kind of left him for dead in that trade to Detroit. I mean, a lot of us thought, you know, I don't know if you would say, I don't know if the word bust was being thrown around at that point in time, but, you know, it seemed like his career could be headed that way. Um, but Detroit never saw him as that. They saw him as a, uh, they never saw him even as a bridge quarterback. Like they saw him as a quarterback that they truly wanted. And, you know, you think, okay, maybe that's PR speak, but like in the course of my reporting, and I think other reporters have found this as well, like you really can't get anyone there to admit that they thought he was a bridge or that they thought he was anything but their long-term starter. And I talked to his agent for the story and he was like, I fully expect the Lions to be signing him to an extension. His contract is up after next season, after 2024. So his um, agent told me that he fully expects the Lions to be signing Goff to an extension early this offseason. And I think it makes sense. I mean, um, you know, they're, they're going to be played themselves out of contention, obviously, for a rookie quarterback in this draft. And they drafted Hendon Hooker in the third round last year. He's been um, he came in with an injury, so he's not really, you know, a realistic option for any time soon. And so Jared's been playing so well. And I think what you see, what I wrote about is, you know, in L.A., Sean McVay was very critical of him in his last year, very critical of him to the media uh, when he was struggling with turning the ball over. And even this season, you know, the, the Lions are in the NFC Championship game. But as Bears, Bears audience knows, he has not been infallible this season. Yeah. He had um, multiple turnover games in both of the Chicago games this year, both at Detroit and at Chicago. And so there was a span of about four weeks in this season where he had several games where he was turning the ball over multiple times, up to three times in each game. So, you know, he's struggled a bit, but Detroit has stuck with him. And the head coach there, Dan Campbell, instead of publicly criticizing him, his response to Jared's turnovers was to cut it loose. That's what he wanted of his quarterback. And I just think it's so interesting when you see the different ways. And Sean McVay has been very transparent about how he wishes he had handled things better with Jared Mm. Um, in that last season. He's talked about that a lot, about how now that he looks back, he's like, yeah, I could have communicated better with him. And I think what you see now in Detroit is the head coach communicates with him constantly. And he doesn't feel like he has to call him out to the media because they're having those conversations one-on-one about how to be better. And you see that, you see how a change of environment can just really help a quarterback who needs, um, you know, as you said, to experience some kind of renaissance. You see it happening with Baker Mayfield as well. And it's so cool to watch in real time. We're talking to Kaylin Kaler, senior NFL writer at The Athletic here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez with you. It's been cool to watch, and I, I love the fact that you pointed out the coaching styles. Because I often tell people, right, you can either get a pat on the back or a kick in the butt. And some people need either or in order to perform at an extremely high level. And we look at Jared Goff, he really just wanted a little bit more confidence, right? Someone to, to believe in him the way he believes in himself. And I think that is why they're in the position that they're in. But I'm curious... Uh, Kaylin, in your opinion, when you're looking at the the Lions, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you wrote the piece and you, you got a little bit closer. But do you think they've been the beneficiary of like, you know, a weak NFC North and a weak first two games in the playoffs? Like, do you think that is kind of in this narrative that not a lot of people are talking about or do you think they deserve everything that they're getting? Um, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, like they came out and beat Kansas City week one. Like that's True. why I think it would be so it would be so cool if the Super Bowl was a rematch of that game. I think it would be so awesome to see the season end exactly where it started. And I think nobody really thinks that's a realistic 
possibility. I think we're all kind of banking on Ravens Niners, but I think Lions Chiefs would be a really interesting way to end the season exactly where it began. And, you know, I think from the first game, like they showed us who they were and they were here to compete. I think their biggest weakness right now is their pass defense. And the fact that they really only have one player who's getting much, much of a pass rush in Aiden Hutchinson. But, you know, I think that's really all you need. For, you know, you really just need one guy for a game like these to disrupt the opposing quarterback. And I don't know. I don't think – it's interesting. Like, I'm tempted to pick the Lions in this game because I think the Niners are good, obviously, and very well coached. But that last game against Green Bay, I mean, they did not seem they, – they seem to have weaknesses as well. So I think this is going to be a really – close game and a really interesting matchup but no I don't think that Detroit has really benefited from like a week's NFC North or a week's schedule by any means because I mean the Packers um, kind of showed that they they were a pretty good team in the second half of that year Um, so yeah I would say I mean I think what Detroit has done which has been really cool to watch is they've been building every year I mean three years ago they were terrible you know they had three wins I believe in Campbell's first season and but you could see what they were building. They had their quarterback. They just needed to build around him. And then, you know, they they had Amon Ross St. Brown. And then this past year, they got three rookies in that draft um, on offense that are just uh, two rookies on offense that are just incredible. Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs, who have completely changed that offense. Um, and so you've just kind of seen little by little what they're doing to build. And I think uh, it's really interesting. And actually, I was listening to the St. Brown Brothers podcast today. Amon Ra and Equinemius, who obviously plays for the Bears, and they and EQ was saying how he feels like the Bears are exactly where the Lions were a year ago. And then Amon Ra was arguing that no, the Bears weren't as good as they were last year, and it was kind of funny. They're back and forth, but I can kind of see I can kind of see what EQ means of like you know they're building little by little. They're adding pieces to the offense. They're building on defense so they can make sure that the, you know, the defense can win them games as well. So I can kind of see their argument, but I thought that was an interesting comparison um, that he made on their podcast this week. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, you're looking at the Lions as a whole and you say to yourself, okay, week one, I hear what you're saying. Good rematch. They had no Chris Jones though, but that'd still be a good rematch. Um, and the other thing about like about the Niners, I think you're absolutely right, Kaylin. I mean, you know, what you saw against the Green Bay Packers and what the Green Bay Packers did to the Bears was, you know, control the clock. Something that the Bears do well, but just not as good as the Green Bay Packers. And if the, the Lions can steal anything from that, we know they're run-first, play-action kind of a team. If they can get Demo going, Jameer Gibbs, like you mentioned, one of the rookies that has been contributing on offense to really help this team out, I mean, they, they most certainly have a chance. All right, let's talk Bears a little bit, selfishly. want to do that with you. Um, yeah. First, let's start with your opinion on the decision to keep Flus. Yeah, let's start there. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm kind of torn on it. Like, I do think he made a case with with the way he's coached the defense and developed players on defense in particular. And I think I think that um, moving on from Getsy was the right call, um, and you know, replacing the offensive staff I think was the right call. It, but personally, I don't know. I just I just felt if they're going to draft a new quarterback, I felt that they should probably just start over with a coaching staff completely, um, so that at least you know head coach quarterback could come in together and you could think about those two things in tandem. Um, I guess offensive coordinator quarterback is like as close to that as they're going to get now. You know, I would have done the full sweep, I think. Um, So it's interesting. So, so then it's like, okay, if that's the logic, then do we think they're just going to stick with field? 
you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if they did stick with Fields and they kept Eberflus, then it would make more sense to me. Uh, but if they do draft a rookie quarterback and they've kept Eberflus, it doesn't make as much sense to me. So in, in that situation, I mean, because the biggest obvious thing in Chicago, as you know, uh, is, you know, people are on the fence about Justin Fields. Not people are on the fence, excuse me. People are on either side of the fence when it comes to right. Justin Fields. But how likely in your mind do you think it is, Kaylin, that that Justin Fields can actually fix his problems or what, what people deem as problems in the NFL? Like, is it as simple as just, you know, getting him a, a new play caller or some more offensive line and a, and another wide receiver? Is it that simple to just get Justin Fields to play at the level that people think he can play at in the, in the NFL? I mean, I think um, he's shown improvement every year, which is good. That's what you want to see. And I think a lot of times we're too quick to judge a quarterback um, when they're not instantly what you want them to be. I mean, like Baker Mayfield is a good example of that where, you know, he had some success, but then started struggling a little bit earlier in his career and then became a backup and then, you know, moved around the league last year, a couple different teams. And now he's a starter again and like had a huge improvement. And you could say the same thing about um, Geno Smith. So I think there's a lot of, of examples that show us that quarterbacks need time and they need experience and they need um, to be on a team. They need to have a situation that really supports them as a rookie. And I don't think, you know, I don't think anyone would say that Justin Fields had that as a rookie in Chicago. So I think a lot of our um, evaluation on him is unfair because he wasn't, I think until this season, he really wasn't set up um, for that development and that success. So um, I do think like next year, I think every year he's going to continue to grow. It's just the financials of it that don't make sense. Um, for the Bears, because, I mean, I'm sure I've, I've heard you guys on 670 talk about this over and over again, but, you know, Fields has one year left on his rookie deal, whereas if you draft a quarterback this year, you can have them on their rookie deal for four years, if not five, right? So that's where the financials make more sense to just start over, and I don't think that says really anything about whether Justin can or can't be a franchise quarterback, I think he could very easily be traded somewhere else and find and experience a lot of success. But I think ultimately for Chicago, it's going to come down to that financial um, situation. When you're looking, we're talking to Kaylin Kaler from the athletic here on six seventy. the score. When you're looking at the bears, you know, on a macro level, just as the NFL as a whole, and you're looking at, you know, the tiers of teams, right? The upper echelon of the NFL, the middle pack, and then obviously those that are still trying to figure out who they are. How far away in years, you would say, right, off seasons are we talking here before the Bears are actually or can actually, you know, compete at the highest level in the NFL? Um, good question. I mean, now that the NFC North is looking honestly kind of stacked, um, it, it is. It is it, really. It's is. gonna be. Yeah, it looks a lot different than where we started the season at because now you could say the Packers are are in it. Um, you know, the Vikings are questionable, um, but they could be pretty good. And the Lions look like they're going to be, you know, if this isn't the Lions year, you know, it's next year, right? Like the, the Lions are not going anywhere. They're, they're sort of set up to do this again next season or go farther than they do this season if they don't make it all the way to the Super Bowl this year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, you know, I, it just depends. If, if, if they get Caleb Williams, and he's the Caleb Williams that we all think he is, and he can just start playing immediately and have success, then 
I think they can compete right away. If they keep Justin Fields and he is 25% better than he was this season, same thing, right? Like, so I think the answer is, um, I think they can compete. They've got a great defense. I think they, they can keep them in game. So I think they can, I think they can compete. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not predicting like a Super Bowl anytime in the next probably two or three years, but I do think they'll, they can compete maybe to win the division or uh, make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, one last question. The hard-hitting one before you get out of here. You got to rank them in order of importance. NFL, Northwestern basketball, Irish, Irish <laughs> oh. dancing. Go ahead. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I was at that game on Wednesday where uh, we beat Illinois. You were that there? was incredible. Oh yeah, gosh, that was so fun. Yeah. I go to like one game a year and I have really good, I, I you know, I pick my spots, obviously. Yeah. So um, that was a really, I picked that one on purpose. So I was like, I think this is going to be a really, really good game. And, and, and the can, can, the people, awesome. that, people that have never been to a Northwestern game, it really is a spectacle. Like the, 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 yeah. the, the place where they play in the state is it's really nice. It's intimate, but it's smaller than you think. Yeah, it's, it's small. It's cool. Yeah. They did a really good job with the remodel because they didn't make it too big. Like it's, it kept the like very homey feel. Like you can still see, it, it feels like people are still like head in the rafters, you know, like it's like cause the ceiling is low right. and the seating goes really high, which I really like. I think that's like the key to like a good basketball arena is like how low is the ceiling to the seats Cause it makes like, it like makes it feel really close. So, um, I didn't answer the question. Um, so I don't know. Right now, right now, I'll say Northwestern basketball because um, they're surging. You say Northwestern first, Irish dancing second, and then NFL. NFL last. Okay. last. <laughs> no. All right. Well, good luck with your with your performance that you get you watching over there. Enjoy it. Thank Have you. a great weekend. Look forward to talking to you again soon, though. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Gabe. Of course. Thanks. Have a good night. Kaylin Kaler, senior NFL writer for the Athletic. Hanging out with us here on 670 to score. Great stuff. Make sure you check out our article on Jared Goff. I love the fact that she said, hey, man, both things, both outcomes can be a high-quality Bears team. Justin Fields, 25% better with talent around him. See, the, 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 the question I then have is, but then what about the second year? Like, if you're telling me next year, a 25% better Justin Fields is the equivalent to a Caleb Williams rookie year if he ends up being great. But then what about a, what about two years from then? You Isn't know? that the same kind of question we're kind of having about the Lions? I know Kalen said they're set up. I got to be honest, I, I disagreed with her answer about being the beneficiary of an NFC North and two bad. I mean, you played the, the Rams, snuck into the playoffs. No one thought they were going to do anything this year. And then you played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know what I'm saying? Like, you weren't really, really tested by top, by even just, like, top half. I mean, are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers good? They have a good defense. They have Baker Mayfield. They got Mike Evans, Rashad White. Do they have a good team? Yes. I don't want to take that away from them. The Los Angeles Rams, do they still have Matthew Stafford, Puka Nakua? You know what I'm saying? Like, the whole gang? Yes. I guess they're the only two teams standing, right? Lions they are. And the, the Lions and the, and, the, and the Niners. So, I mean, But yeah. like you said, if you have a – what happens if you have a major injury? Let's to, say – To the Niners or to the Lions to or the, the Lions. Bears? Like Frank Rag, now their center, right. gets hurt against, uh, uh, yeah. against Vita Vea and Tampa I, Bay. They probably lose that game. Yeah, I still think – right, yes. I still think they're capable because they still have, like, the firepower on offense and the uh, – 
serviceable defense. I just think when they go up against a really good team, it's just not going to be the same. You know what I mean? They're going to get exposed. But it comes down to ball control. If they can run the ball, if if they can run the ball in San Francisco, that's going to be the issue. Like if you're abandoning the run in the first quarter because the defense is just like terrorizing you, and now you're stuck with Jared Goff, which is his forte, quick passes. You know what I mean? That that which can stifle a a, a really good defense. So I mean, you can't counter them. That's Ben Johnson. I think this is his time to shine. If if they put up you know thirteen points and they get Crushed on the crushed running the ball. They can't get the ball out. They can't scheme anything open. He's gonna. They're gonna have a field day with him. But I just think I think Niners. I don't want to fall into the same trap I had with the Ravens last week, where I thought the Texans had a chance, and then if you watch that game, you saw that they had zero chance. That's how good the Ravens were. But you might have been like lost in the sauce, thinking, "Hey, the Ravens are always good, but they always lose." Kind of like Duke. Men's basketball. You know, they're good. I know they're good. They're the Ravens, but they're going to lose. And then you watch them play and you're like, oh, oh, yeah. This is a different Ravens team. And that's what I think is going to happen with the Niners, where we know they're good. We've seen them kind of falter a bit with Brock Purdy and what's going But they're just going to come out and be like, hey, we're actually way better than everybody else. And that's why Niners Ravens seems like the thing. Um, 563 says, Gabe, what if we draft to Caleb Williams and let him sit behind fields? Would that be that would, would that be that bad? No. But then you're missing out on the potential for draft capital. And that's the part that's intriguing to me with allowing some a quarterback to be drafted to sit behind Justin Fields. Is like, can I also get a couple of draft picks with that? Can I get a second rounder this year, a first rounder next year, maybe a second rounder next year too? You know what I'm saying? Three second-round picks next year, Carolina, whoever trades, and then the Bears own. That's nasty. Bears have three of the top 75 picks this year. One, nine, and 75. Some good talent you can add to your team there. Just ask the Detroit Lions how how, how much of a, an effect that can make on your squad. Get a question? No, I was just going to say that the second round – that may be as important as anything. If they can add more capital, like everybody's talking about first round, move down to nine or, or move out yeah. of nine, like move back, yeah. but adding more second round picks, whether it's this year or next year, could that be, be just as important? Of course, your team's just going to be better. And it's part of the process too, right? You went from a crap team to just adding talent, right? That's what they had. The Bears had to do first. That's why every single draft pick was being slotted into a position because the Bears just needed talent and i think with the next two drafts you're adding talent but you're also adding depth and i think that's the new phase of this rebuild that they're in now we're adding talented depth to withstand an injury so where your team can still perform at a high level regardless of who has gone down because they can withstand that that's where the bears are at now so piling on draft picks isn't a terrible thing at all Somebody else texted me one last one. said, stop talking about Justin Fields' rookie year, for God's sake. My friend, we were comparing it to Bryce Young's rookie year. Oh, well, Justin had a crap team. Are you kidding me? Bryce Young had his coach fired in the middle of the season. His offensive coordinator, who the Bears hired, wasn't even calling plays till week seven. So they, he had a different play caller. Receivers are horrible. Like, why can't I 
compare Justin Fields' rookie year to Bryce Young's. Stop it. It's ridiculous. All right. Going to take some phone lines are open. Wouldn't hate taking some more calls. 312-644-6767. You want to chat with the kid. We got Alex Kuhn taking uh, all the calls. He's producing today. We'll get to that. And I also want to get, before we uh, end the show at 9, I also want to get to some more Steve Stone. I know. Selfish. White Sox talk. But Garrett Crochet is someone who's supposed to contribute to this roster. They're penciling him in to be a starter. And Steve Stone had some words to say about that as well. So we'll get into that. Uh, but I do want to take your calls if you want to continue the Justin and the Bears conversation. All right. 312-644-6767. It's Gabe Ramirez. Your call's next on 670 The Score. We're worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. Little Mary J. Blige to get you started. I met her one time when I worked in radio, or music radio. This is radio still, but different kind. I just remember seeing her. There was two people. One People always ask me, like, oh, you worked in, you know, pop radio for 15 years. It was actually 14 years. But, you know, who was your favorite artist you met? Or, you know, and they're all the same. They come in with a purpose. Met them all. Interviewed J-Lo twice, Justin Bieber, Drake, Nicki Minaj, all that, you know, all that stuff. Taylor Swift. Um, I say it so casually, <laughs> but, um, people are always like, well, who was the most, who are you most starstruck by? Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. Like one, I really like that Tina Turner movie. <laughs> Two, she's just a phenomenal actress. But I just remember her coming into the studio and being like, oh my God, that's Angela Bassett. Little tiny thing. But. Starstruck in the truest form, where you are just like struck by the star that's in front of you. Angela Bassett, just really like her. <laughs> then I met Mary J. Blige, and I was like, oh my God, you're super thick in person. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you're actually a real woman. Mary J. Blige is a sweetheart. All right, going to play some Steve Stone audio in a second, talking about Garrett Crochet. Actually, let's get that out the way first. I'm ready for that. So Steve Stone was on with Mully and Haw earlier. Yeah, he was he was talking about his new co- new co-host, you know, for the games. But then he got into some other stuff, specifically the pitchers for the Chicago White Sox. And he had some thoughts on Garrett Crochet as a starter. 
Well, I think they're going to try to try a few different people in the rotation, but I don't think necessarily that Garrett is going to be locked into that rotation, especially off the top. You know, there, there was a very good team for many years that, that raised uh, a whole stable full of wonderful pitchers. And they are, and they were the Baltimore Orioles. And what they did with a lot of their pitchers, they put them in the bullpen first. I mean, Dennis Martinez threw a perfect game, won 245 games, came up with Baltimore, and became a wonderful pitcher. And he started out in the bullpen because that's where you can learn how to pitch without the pressure because you can be inserted into situations that don't have much pressure if you're a pensman. You can't do that if you're a starting pitcher. So I don't rule out Garrett Crochet being a starter. I think eventually he's probably ticketed for that. But right now I'm not sure exactly if that's where he's going to start. He could, but who knows? There's, there's, a, there's a few different candidates for the rotation, and it could very well be that uh, Kopech and, uh, and Crochet wind up at least for the start starting out of the bullpen and see what happens. Because one of the advantages that you have in this day and age of baseball, if you have that multi-inning guy out of your pen, that guy that can go two or three innings consistently out of your bullpen, that's a huge advantage on the rest of the pen and to a certain extent, the starting rotation. So with a couple of guys like that in the pen to start at least, it might be a, an advantageous situation. I love the thought. I mean, obviously, Steve Stone had a lot of successful years in Major League Baseball as a pitcher. And, I mean, it's kind of like the let a quarterback sit behind the starter situation, right? Let him come out the bullpen. Don't put the pressure for him to go five, six, seven innings every fifth day. Get him out the bullpen. Get his confidence up. Have him working on his pitches. And then have him be a guy that says, hey, man, Give me the ball every five days instead of throwing him into that situation. Um, Garrett Crochet just has nasty stuff. Nasty stuff. Um, so if he can find his way to be one of the five starters and, you know, a nice lefty in the rotation, just a dominant one at that, I would love something like that. Speaking of dominance, there's one pitcher who had one good year and then everything else has been up, up and down. Of course, I'm talking about Dylan Cease. He was on the trading block. No teams came a-calling or were prepared to give up what it was that the White Sox were asking. But Steve Stone had some thoughts on him as well. Let's say that you have uh, a very valuable baseball card. Let's say you have the Honus Wagner baseball card in your pocket, and you're saying to me, I would like to sell this to you or to anybody else who's around, you know, who's going to give me what it is that I want. You put a value on that card, and you say to me, I would like to sell this to you. You, let's say, being the Baltimore Orioles because of their organization and because of who they have coming up. And you say, ideally, your organization fits with mine. Ideally, you would like to hand me this card. However, I'm not going to give you what you think that card is worth. doesn't mean I won't give it to you a month from now. It just means right today, the value that you're putting on that card, I can't give you or I won't give you. And that is the case in the Dylan Cease uh, sweepstakes because I do believe that Dylan will be traded. However, um, I'm kind of I'm hoping that he's not traded for quite some time. And the reason is if they don't trade him, that means that things started off pretty well for the Sox, that they're having a pretty decent year and they want to hold on to Dylan Cease. It also means that whoever it is that you're asking, and certainly one would be the Yankees, certainly one would be Baltimore, but you're not excluding everybody else. You're saying to these teams, if you want him, 
here's the asking price. And Chris Getz and his staff has an asking price for every one of the teams that's involved in the Dylan C sweepstakes. And so, you know, where they might want a, a couple of the really good young guys for Baltimore, and Baltimore says, nah, I'm not quite ready to do it yet. Maybe if Baltimore doesn't get off to that rip-roaring start, maybe if they're sitting there in contention as we get closer to the trade deadline, maybe all of a sudden it changes and they'll add one or two of those guys that you might want, and that's what the Sox are waiting for. Will they trade Dylan Cease? Yes, of course they will. However, they're not going to make it a bargain basement sale. They're going to hold out because they don't have to move him. He's under control two more years. That's an enviable position to be in. I love the analogy with the baseball card. You've placed a certain value on it. Others have a different one, but they might not want it today. You know, they see the shop, they go through, ooh, Dylan Cease? Love that. How much you want for that? <laughs> Hell no. Nah. Then you then you go home, Dylan Cease pitches a gym. Damn, I wish I would have got that Dylan Cease card. Oh, there's another convention coming up in two months. Awesome. In. But the problem is when you go to buy Dylan Cease's card there, there's three other buyers. And the price has gone up. And even if they don't move them, they're going to get something for Dylan Cease. It's how, the, it's how Major League Baseball works. I do like the fact that he's there because let me tell you something. That rotation without Dylan Cease, whew, oh, my God. It looks like, uh, it looks like bullpen starts every day. <laughs> Michael Kopech, good luck. No shade. Just saying, like, from what he's done so far, projecting into next year, good luck. All right. I want to have a little bit of fun. We need fun. We need more fun. We need some fun. It's Friday. It's 838. I'm trying to decide if I want to make my wife upset and go get some restaurant week dinner. I did it last week. You missed it, Alex. What'd you get? It was me, Anthony Heron, and one of my other boys, Pito, who I talk about a lot here on the show, big sports fan, scorehead. We wanted some steak because it was the first day of restaurant week. So Uh we we just went to Morton's right there. Oh, $59, four course. You literally cannot go wrong. It was a 12-ounce I usually get the bone-in fillet because I like a little bit more flavor for me. But they had the 12-ounce 12-ounce fillet, which was huge. Some sides had a little 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 chocolate mousse at the end. What big ant get? We all got the same thing. Oh, you got the same thing. We all got the same thing. Was it like a special restaurant week special? Rest- okay. You've never heard of restaurant week? No, no, I, I did. Oh. I was asking if it was a restaurant week special. Yes. Okay. That's the only reason I went. Makes sense. I love restaurant week. I love the, I love the deals. I went earlier today. I went to Syrah. Right inside the Hoxton Hotel over on Lake and Halsted. I went over there, had their little three-course meal. I went to the Gage by myself Man. the other day. Oh, trust me. Restaurant week comes, people know this is my jam. Yeah, you can't take it for granted. $25 three-course lunches, you can't beat it at some of the top restaurants in the city. Three in, in the country. In the country, you're right. We have some of the best food in the country, if like, not the world, right here. The Gage, I had like an apple and fig salad. I had like a butter Indian chicken for the second course. And then they had like this chocolate ganache cookie crumble with, I mean, like, come on, all three of those for 25 bucks? Downtown Chicago? Stop it. You pay 25 bucks for like a burger and a pop. You pay 20 bucks for a, 25 bucks for a cocktail, which I Sometimes did. Sometimes an appetizer. Right. At Sierra, I had like their little version of a classic daiquiri, 18 bucks. I paid damn near. For my three-course meal, the same that I paid for my is really good. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll let you know what restaurants I'm thinking of so you can uh, 
Actually, just text in if you think I should just piss my wife off or not. How about that? Not that I will or won't, but it'll be cool to what you guys think. 312-644-6767. She's putting the girls down. By the time I get there, she's going to be sleeping. But if she finds out that I went to go eat steak at dinner when we just went to a restaurant a week for lunch, she might be pissed. Just let me know what you think. 312-644-6767. And on the other side, Twitter time. A little bit of pop culture, a little bit of sports, all wrapped into one. What two superstars scored more than 60 points tonight? I'll let you know inside of Twitter time next on 670 The Score. Well, what do you know? I got an admirer. You spend so much time on Twitter, you're not enjoying the better things in life. All those idiots on Twitter. It's Twitter time with Gabe Ramirez. I only know one to know one thing. Can you cuss on Twitter? I give a rat's ass about Twitter. To be brutally honest, I'm not a Twitter guy. Let's scroll through some tweets. Chirp, chirp. Gabe Ramirez right here on 670. The score got a couple more minutes with you. Twitter time is one of my favorite bits. It's like when I first got here to 670 The Score, I was like, how can I marry all my skills into one segment? Twitter time. A little bit of pop culture. Some of the top stories in sports all bundled into one for your listening pleasure. Because you ain't got time for that. You got a real job. You got to be done. All right, first up, this is from Cubs Zone on Twitter or X or whatever. I guess I can't call it Twitter time anymore, no? I still call it Twitter. Is it Xy time? <laughs> At least it made you laugh. At least it made you laugh. All right, uh, from Cubs Zone, the Cubs have signed Carl Edwards Jr. to a minor league contract per by Robert Murray. Uh, well, that's a joke. But Carl Edwards Jr., back on the squad. He was fun for them. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. Just adding some depth. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, next up. Chirp, uh, chirp. Speaking of additions, this from the Chicago Bears. Says we have hired Kerry Joseph as our QB coach. So obviously Kerry Joseph uh, was at the uh, with the Seattle Seahawks, and Shane Waldron felt like, hey man, did your damn thing over there? Why don't you come do your do your thing over here? So I mean, doesn't move the needle a ton, but I like it. I like that you were able to add some of your own pieces, you know, and you did it quickly. I guess that's what I would say. All right, next up. Chirp, chirp. This also from the Bears. To get this one out the way, uh, they tweeted this out. It said, "Big dogs up front," because they were first. They were the first ranked rushing defense in the NFL, which is crazy. First ranked rushing offense and first ranked rushing defense. Eighty six yards a game allowed. You see T.J. Edwards in the picture. You see some uh, Walker. You see a little bit of Justin Jones and some Andrew Billings. Hope they can keep it up. You think they'll be first again next year? No, not no chance. Not even close. No, they won't. They, they won't. played some bad teams, but I think they'll be. I think they're always going to be solid. Top five against the run. Top with, five with Flus. I'll five? say top five. Yes. Top five. All right. Next up. Chirp, chirp. Uh, this is from Girl Draws Ghosts on Twitter, and it says. Actually, I won't read that part. Let me let me let me read the quoted part. This is from discussing film. A Bob the Builder animated movie is in the works, starring Anthony Ramos. He's a Boricua, Puerto Rican, and the film follows Roberto, a.k.a. Bob. See what they did there? Trying to cater to my people. I like it. Who who travels to Puerto Rico for a major construction job and digs deeper into what it means to build. That's going to be interesting, doing some filming over there in Puerto Rico, but... uh, 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 
You had no idea Bob the Builder was Roberto. Did ya? I had no idea. And neither did I. I think they just did that for this movie, though. But either way, I like it. Sure, I'm, sure. I'm much more likely to watch Roberto the Builder than Bob the Builder hey, anyway. Who knows? Who knows? Um, this from uh, Cooked by Riley. The Atlanta. It was a, a video of a guy just kicking himself because it's a Atlanta Hawks fans watching Luka Doncic drop 73 on him, knowing that they traded him away. Luka Doncic. I mentioned it earlier. Um, two guys scored over 60 to late. Luka Doncic dropped 73. Highest point total since Kobe dropped 81. And then Devin Booker got himself a 60-piece, which is incredible. I think it was the exact amount. Where is it? Devin Booker poured in 62 points. That's crazy. It's happening too often. Are the guys shooting too well, or are the defenses that bad? What do we think? Didn't D-Book almost do it against the, the Bulls last year? That's what I'm saying. Weird. All right, two more for you. Sure, sure. Uh, this from Kevin Powell, K. Powell from WGN. SoxFest returns January 24th and 25th of 2025. Details and locations will be announced at a later date. He included the verbiage from the Chicago White Sox, but that's what's up. Bring it back, baby. Nothing like announcing it a year in advance. <laughs> we didn't do it this year, but we got one for you a year from now. Shout out to SoxFest, though. Sure, uh, sure. One of my favorite Sox jackets I bought at SoxFest because they always have gear on clearance like that they're just kind of like trying to get rid of. All right, this is my last one, and this one I'm going to spend a little time on. By a lot of time, like 30 seconds. This from Jarrett Weaselman, at Jarrett Says on Twitter. It says, Britney Spears fans getting a 13-year-old song off Femme Fatale, the number one on the, on the iTunes chart, is genuinely iconic and reminds you how powerful this icon's fandom truly is. So here's why this is important. Justin, Justin Timberlake? Just announced his new tour. It's coming to Chicago. I'll be talking about it on Sunday if you listen to me on B96. But he released a new song called Selfish. Okay. It was number one on iTunes. That was until all the Britney stands went and found a song titled Selfish by Britney Spears that came out in 2011. And then started streaming that song so much that that song from 2011 supplanted Justin Timberlake's number one song, also called Selfish. They did it just to troll Justin Timberlake. Imagine how you feel. You come out with a single. You announce your tour. Your song's number one. You think you're killing the game. And then your ex's fan base takes a song that's not even relevant. It's like a B track on the, the on the album. That's amazing. And they stream it to the point where it becomes the number one song on iTunes. Britney stands are like that? Bro. Oh. I'm just like, that's something I feel like I'd say the Swifties would do, but. I'd say, see, the thing is the Britney stands are like, Swifty stands are like 20-something-year-olds that are just getting into the career and they think they're babies. Uh-huh. Britney Spears stands, they're moms. They're settled. They you know, you're right. Now that I they think about time. it. They're on their phone scrolling right now, 9 o'clock, because their kids are sleeping. They got time. Last thing you want to do is mess with that army. The last thing you want to do. All right, give me my theme music. Should I get some rap-up music so I could just end this real quick? That's what's up. Big special thank you to all my guests today. Hub Arkish hung out with us. Got to thank Keith Smith for talking some Bulls and some NBA. And then Kaylin Kaler joining us from The Athletic. Want to thank my producer, Alex Kuhn, for handling duties today. The nuns would have loved you. 
That's great. That might be one of the best ones I've heard. Now you just got to get you got to get Chuck to say Alex Kuhn and then splice those together. Alex Kuhn? He said it a few times. He, That's what I'm saying. You got to copy it, but then splice it. Alex Kuhn, the nuns would love that. You're not the professional here for nothing, Gabe. Got you. All right. Mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time. You can catch me Sunday, noon to 5 p.m. on B96. And then Monday, I'm back to my regularly scheduled program, 6 p.m. right here on 670 The Score. Guys, have a great weekend. I am Gabe Ramirez. And as mentioned, this is Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.